Hello, and thanks for tuning in to Story Living, where we learn from inspiring leaders and their stories. I'm Jack, founder of Light Adventures, a certified coaching firm on a mission to illuminate people through story development. For this episode's story, we have the opportunity of speaking with Tenny Toyer, a VP of product at Verizon Media, with an inspiring story of resilience. From her time at IBM, Visa, and Yahoo, she's constantly learned how to handle uncertainty. We're gonna unpack that topic and many more. So let's dive into the first page of this digital story. Hey, Tenny, so good to see you. Thank you for joining. How are you doing today? Hi, Jack. I'm doing really well. It's great to be here. Good, good. Well, thanks again for joining. And where are you joining us from today? So I'm joining from my home uh, in Mountain View, California. Nice, very good. And down the road from where we met back at Yahoo back in the day and, uh, you know, getting to know each other over the years. But more recently, hearing your story uh, really touched and inspired and excited to share it with viewers, um, including early on some commonalities we had, almost same position in the soccer field, uh, as well as school down in San Diego. Um, and I'd love to start with sports because I know they're important to you. Uh, so maybe share a little bit of why sports were so important to you, especially at an early age. Yeah, I, I, as I mentioned, I love playing sports, uh, particularly team sports. I uh, played a lot of soccer. That's where we uh, realized we, we both played sweeper as, yeah. as, as soccer players. Um, I played a lot of field hockey, roller hockey. Um, and I just I loved it because you got to know your teammates better, you know, really on and off the field uh, during practice and obviously on game days uh, and the importance of game days. So it just early on learned the importance of being a team player, knowing how to support one another, how to also play my best uh, so that, you know, we could I, I can contribute and help uh, with the team. So, um, yeah, it really just played a very um, it played a big part in my early years, but mostly because I was having fun uh, at the end of the day. Of course, can't forget to have fun. I love how you shared in the past of just learning how to lose well, too, is always important. Yeah, no, it's, um, you know, I mean, when you're playing competitively, right, you're, you're always trying to win, of course. Um, but, you know, you learn how to win, you learn how to lose, you learn how to learn from your losses so that you can come back and uh, play again and play either the same team or, or the next team. Uh, and so, as a, you know, you just get to rally with your with your teammates on, um, you know, obviously the coach plays a huge part uh, in in a lot of that as well. Sort of um, learning from how to how coaches, defense coaches, offense and defense coaches uh, coaching your, you differently or, or the team differently. So um, there's just so much that I could draw upon, um, you know, from from team sports that I, I apply even today and in, in my leadership style. Wonderful. And can't wait to dive into your leadership style a little later, um, you know, from Visa to now Verizon Media, a very successful career. And one of the things I loved about Sweeper was we always had that nice vision in the background and, you know, being able to decide when we were going to jump and maybe delegate a little bit, too. Totally, totally. Right. So I usually played a lot of defense, um, defensive positions, obviously sweep, sweeper for, for soccer um, and, and fullback uh, for, for, for a lot of the other ones. Um, and it just I love it because it was really fluid. Right. So you're kind of standing in the back. You're, you're really reading the game. You're reading, you know, where your teammates are, where the opponents are. You kind of set up the game from the back uh, quite a bit. And especially as sweeper, 
you know, you're in a really good position where you can actually slow down the game or speed it up if you want to put more pressure. Um, and there's a lot of split second decision making that happens. Um, but ultimately, it's that those dynamics, right? And you know where you're going to pass, which side of the field you're going to go and play on. So I, I, I just loved it, uh, especially that that position in particular. Awesome, me too. And so you know, a little bit uh, connected to also a big part of growing up for you, I know, was uh, spending some time in your dad's shop, and as you did on the field, a little bit playing behind, uh, a little bit of time in the back of your dad's shop, assembling computers at an early age, growing up in the Bay. So maybe paint a little picture of what it was like growing up in the Valley and, and how that sparked your interest in tech. Yeah. So, you know, when you grow up in the Valley, you're almost always surrounded by the latest tech gear, accessories, whatever that might be. Uh, my dad actually worked in the semiconductor industry uh, and he was laid off uh, when I was a kid. And I remember how hard that was. Um, and he made this you know, big decision to become a small business owner. So he Opened up a computer shop in the 80s, um, which is where I spent a lot of my school holidays and summers, basically helping out, you know, the family business. Um, and so my brother and I, we assembled a lot of computers, um, which I feel is a little bit of a lost art these days. Um, especially I've got two kids. Uh, I'm not sure that they know, you know, that there's a motherboard and a CPU and storage and memory in there. Um, but you know, you know, it's just it's nice. It was nice to build things uh, with 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 your hands. Uh, the store was actually really close to the very first Fry's Electronics store over in Sunnyvale, um, also where I spent a lot of my time because we had to go and find the the different parts. So, um, you know, basically when when if you remember when Fry's Electronics uh, introduced thirty day free returns, uh, that was actually sort of the um, the end of many of those other small business shops that were there, um, you know, selling selling these these computer uh, computers and, and accessories. So um, my dad basically evolved his business and he, you know, went into graphic design and, and a print service. And I got to learn how to use Corel Draw and Adobe Photoshop. And, you know, I printed and made all these iron-on t-shirts and mugs and CDs. I made some, of course, uh, for him to sell and repackage, but also for my own friends friends and, and for myself. So yeah, I just you know, learned at a really early age that businesses, um, they just need to be aware of their customers and their business, and they have to kind of constantly adapt um, uh, just to be competitive. So anyway, uh, it was always just an evolution, kind of moving forward and, and trying to evolve and adapt. Um, so I learned that fairly early on. Wonderful. Well, it sounds like your dad was definitely a hero of yours early on. And um, loved how you, you know, early on were putting CPUs together. And now recently, I believe, you know, launched the first Yahoo Purple phone with Verizon Media, um, which I'm excited to get into a little bit of that later on. But I am curious with this theme of parenting in a way, right, especially with COVID and some changes. Um, what has it been like for you as a parent and maybe from what you learned from your dad, right, this idea of being fluid and evolving, being a role model, you know, what comes up for you? Yeah, so, you know, I have two kids, um, nine and 12 years old, um, you know, obviously with COVID, we're doing distance learning um, at home, uh, both both my husband and I work. And so we've, we've had to adapt, we've had to, you know, figure out, you know, where everyone was going to be stationed, how everyone was going to be learning, um, you know, and, and, and as the schools are, are also trying to figure out, you know, when, when can they come back? Um, you know, we've just mostly just learned how to be really, really flexible. Um, you know, that's 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 kind of the name of the game right now is being flexible, being patient, 
you know, knowing that things are going to be okay, if it's not perfect or the way you sort of have it imagined in your head um, or, or you want it to go. Um, you know, we try and do a lot of things uh, both in and outside the house on the weekends. We, we, we go out, um, you know, we, had, we bought a trailer at the onset of COVID and it's been our sort of escape route. So fully nice. contained, um, but been able to just head out over, over on the weekend and spend, you know, family time together and, and really kind of be with one another. Wonderful. Awesome. What a great message. And, um, you know, also been able to spend time myself here and excuse my puppy English bulldog if you hear him snoring in the background right now. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's all fun when we're all back and closer together. Um, and I love what you share around flexibility. So important in these times and a little bit tied to, you know, back in your college days. And I know you shared uh, having gone to UCSD before actually switching over to computer science, you started in econ. And so I'm curious you know, um, what it was like, and for maybe some of our viewers thinking about either career shifts or, or handling this uncertainty, you know, what might you share as far as advice um, with handling uncertainty? Yeah, you know, my, so for me, you would think that, you know, after I shared my story of, you know, helping my dad out at, at the store, that tech was going to be my path. Um, but I, I didn't actually think I was going to go into tech. So uh, I, I was actually an econ major, um, mostly because I had an interest in tech and math, but, um, you know, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I thought an econ degree would actually be the most versatile and give me just, the, you know, a wider a range of options in many different fields. Um, and so for me, you know, I, I ended up just taking a computer science class almost at the uh, at the pressure of my of, of my parents you know just try it see see if you'll like it um and and I also ended up taking a user experience class and you know I, I gave it a shot I liked it uh, and eventually found myself switching uh, over to computer science uh, for for my degree but mostly again it's that you know guided by curiosity um, exploration mm -hmm. like what are the experiences you want to have what do you want to learn um, and being Again, coming back to that theme of flexibility, uh, for me, that's been mostly what I've been guided by sort of throughout every sort of major decision in whether it's my career, that next job, um, or that next assignment or project. Um, usually my, my principles are, well, am I gonna learn something? Is it something I haven't done before? Will it be challenging? Um, will it sort of help me in some ways where I can learn some experiences along the way or meet some new people? Um, and usually that's been my guiding principle. But, you know, I think for a lot of people, some, for many people, they know exactly what they want. They know what they want to do. They know what they need to do to get there. Uh, and, and just for me, it was it was very different. Wonderful. Yeah, I love that. And as your you know story continued and just holding, you know, um, what can also and when we coach people, there's a lot of power and peace in the unknown and just kind of just surrendering and, and allowing, you know, the next steps to keep coming as they do. Um, and I know that's, you know, served you well with, um, you know, moving on from UCSD, uh, great times in that, you know, sunny college campus to then some internships. And so I know you were over at IBM after I believe it was Edora from Qualcomm. So maybe speak to a little bit of those uh, internships experiences and, uh, you know, what that was like for you. Yeah. So while I was at UCSD, I interned at Qualcomm, which is also down in, in San Diego. Um, and that was the Eudora was the first product I ever worked on, uh, or I, I got paid anyway to work on my, my, my dad, we just, you know, we, we worked for food. Um, but you know, it was, Eudora was a, for those who don't know, um, it was an email client in the late nineties and it was basically just a, a handful of email clients that 
introduced the world to HTML emails. Um, back before that, it was all plain text. Um, and this was obviously way before the introduction of Yahoo Mail or AOL or Hotmail, Gmail. So, you know, I remember being so proud. Um, you know, I, I entered there for about two years. I remember being so proud when they put my name in this, the rolling credits at the end, um, right. which is hidden and it only appeared if you knew the, the keyboard shortcut, which was one of the early Easter eggs <laughs> on, in software clients. Um, and, you know, it was, a, it was a, just a great experience being around other people sort of outside of school, outside teachers, outside, um, you know, advisors there. It was just people who were working, um, you know, people who were parents, adults, um, you know, these were, they, they were mid to late stage in their own careers. And I just learned so much from them also, just in terms of, you know, potentially how the real world was going to be. Um, and it was, it wasn't, it was messier than I thought it would would look, you know. And it, coming back to it, it was, you know, right around the the time of the dot com sort of boom and bust. And so, you know, you just had a lot of people, um, you know, anticipating, excited, devastated, you know, the, just all ranges of different emotions and conversations, uh, you know, of, of, about that. But you know, ultimately, from a product perspective, what we were learning was really again coming back to how to work as a team, how different groups or organizations were working collectively together. Um, and, and, and sometimes it's hard to reach compromises at the end of the day because people had different opinions on where, you know, feature, which features we should be prioritizing or, you know, is, is this good from a quality perspective? So um, I just learned a lot on the job, uh, you know, as, as an intern there. And it was, a, it was just a great experience to kind of a, a taste of what was uh, to be coming after after that. Yeah, definitely. I love the taste and, and that sense of curiosity is so crucial, um, especially when you're not quite sure what you want to do. Sometimes it's almost better also to help uh, what you don't want to do, right? A little process of elimination, um, mm -hmm. and not that career trajectory. And so speaking of your trajectory, then we moved over, I think, to IBM. And uh, I was actually really touched with a particular story, a business trip to, I believe it was Austria. And um, you really stood for your convictions and what you believed was right, knowing that there were some risks involved. And so I'm wondering if you could share a little bit of that story with us. Yeah. So, um, you know, I was at IBM. We were working on a stealth project um, uh, by an IBM fellow. And it was a small group of us, about 30 some engineers. And we were building, you know, what was then a, a, a client database synchronization server. This was, you know, before the cloud, before, um, before the iPhone. Uh, and it was a really fun project and I basically was the one sort of sent out to go to a customer deployment site where I would go and help them install and set up software and really train them on how to use it. Um, and I went out there and I learned that the customer was really using the product in, in such a different way than how we were thinking about it, how we were talking about it, designing it, architecting it, um, and, and some of the features that were included in it. And I came back thinking, something is wrong here. We are not deploying the right customer solution. We're not customer centric. We've been out in the lab here, you know, uh, envisioning how our customers were using it, but it was the complete opposite. And I felt like I needed to sound the alarms. Um, and uh, I remember wanting to write this email uh, not only to my manager, but the, you know, many of the line managers, as well as the overall program coordinator director. Um, and I was, you know, 
warned by my dad, you know, no, 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 you don't want to send this email out. You know, that's not the way it works. Uh, you know, you, you shouldn't, you shouldn't send something like that, you know, with so much conviction, but, but really just to, to raise the alarms. Um, and I just felt so passionate about it. I just felt that we were going about it all backwards that I went ahead and sent that email anyways. Um, and, uh, you know, in terms of the repercussions or the learnings that I, that, that came out of it afterwards, um, was, yeah, I, I definitely got spoken to by my manager at the time. Um, you know, it caused some alarms, par particularly because when you're sending something, which, you know, today is known as an escalation, right? Suddenly, um, what I learned afterwards was, you know, we were building a B2B product. We had lots of different customers. We needed to build scalable solutions, um, not necessarily for just that one customer that we that I was out at, but for many, many different customers. Um, but the big piece of it that I learned was, you know, and again, tying it back a little bit to sports was sometimes you have to fall down and get scraped and then you get back up mm -hmm. and then you, you know, you're, you're a little bit bruised, you've, you've fallen a little bit and you realize, okay, what did I learn from that? And so the, the learning that I had there was, um, well, mostly I, there was no regrets in terms of, wow, I shouldn't have sent that because had I not sent that email, had I not sort of had the conversations that I had afterwards, I wouldn't have realized, well, there's multiple ways that I could have handled it, other ways that I could have handled that. Um, it didn't mean that the solution that we were putting out there wasn't the right one either because the product and the architecture we were building was was for something a little bit different. Um, and the third one was I had, you know, really good coaching conversations afterwards with my manager at the time, um, which deepened the relationship that I had with my manager. Uh, and so, again, coming back to it all, I, I just think, you know, sometimes when you're when when I at that time was inexperienced, I didn't know. Um, so I went out there trying to really push something that I believed in, but, you know, turned out to be a uh, not quite what I thought it was supposed to go. <laughs> well, I love it. And I love how you rephrased it from repercussions to lessons learned, right? And how we can take those learnings. Um, and then who knows what story it's going to turn into when you're going to be sharing it on a podcast, right? And Right. <laughs> <laughs> and you can look back on some fondness with it. But of course, managing, you know, some calculated risks is always important, especially from a career standpoint. And so, with and that. I see that I, I was just going to mention, I see that also with a lot of my my, my team members, right? They want to mm -hmm. take some risks and they want to take some calculated risks. And because of my own experiences, I can look um, and and offer you know guidance and advice. And, and generally what I tell people is, you know, you're not going to get anywhere if you don't take some of those calculated risks. So, you know, go exactly. go for it sometimes. Oh, love it. Go for it. Exactly. And that's the only way you really score the best goals on the field anyways, right? That's so right. Got to um, take those yeah. shots. <laughs> Got to take the shot. Got to take the shot. So speaking of that and with your team, um, speaking about maybe your leadership style, right? As you've maybe described a bit of an evolution over the years, now leading teams that are running, you know, the Yahoo homepage, um, shipping some big products when we were at Visa. So um, separate from the product and tech side, on the people side, you know, what do you think, or maybe you've heard with feedback, uh, that your team members most appreciate about your leadership style? Yeah, so um, I actually think for me, I'm a blend of what they call servant um, as well as transformational leadership styles. Uh, so if I tie it you know, back a little bit to the position that we were playing soccer as a sweeper, sort of really leading from behind, um, you know, my, my team members are, and those around me and my peers, you know, they tell me I'm very collaborative. Um, I'm a good problem solver. I, I'm, I'm good under, under stress. Um, you know, I, I put the ball 
really in the care of who I see and who I know can can really execute, who are the subject matter expertise, really allowing people to play their positions um, and their role. I think I mentioned this to you earlier. You know, we don't want to play kindergarten soccer where we're all sort of swarming all around the ball. Right, exactly. We have positions, we have strategies, offense, defense. Um, but ultimately, you know, how do I lead by example? How do I, you know, inspire people? How do I empathize um, and engage, you know, not, not only my own team, but other teams to to follow? Can I inspire and, and, and influence those changes um, ultimately for the good of the organization? So if we're if this is a team sport and this is a team um, a team event, right, like we, all the different pieces need to really um, work together with one another so that each one is doing what they do best. Um, and, and that's, that's really sort of my leadership, uh, my leadership style. Mm, I love the leading from the back, the empathy, so key. And, uh, you know, what we're so big on as well as the coaching element, um, and really, you know, leading people instead of that micromanagement. Uh, and so if you're open to it, love tackling some of the more, uh, hot topics in industries as well. So maybe thinking also from your point of view of, um, as a woman, in leadership uh, capacity. And, you know, what has that um, been like for you? Any learnings or anything, especially maybe some young women on the rise um, that you might offer some inspirational guidance for them? Um, Or maybe you just don't even see it as that big of a deal, but I'm just curious around your views of uh, the topic. Yeah. So, um, you know, when I was a kid, you know, sometimes people think about role models. Um, my grandma was actually one of my most influential role models. Uh, mm-hmm. She actually grew up during, you know, war and poverty. She lost her own mom at, at a young age. Uh, she immigrated to the U.S. Um, really, you know, to search for a better life for her and, and for her family. And, you know, she was really smart and capable, um, but incredibly nurturing. And she really created this foundation uh, for her family and, and made a lot of really, really tough, painful decisions, um, usually for the better of the family. Um, and to me, she was a perfect example of women's strength uh, and determination and what you could achieve. Um, and I remember her telling me how important it was to really stand up for yourself. Um, you know, she barely spoke English. She never had any formal uh, education, but that didn't stop her from trying to learn. Uh, and she would learn from us and all of her grandkids. And she encouraged um, she encouraged all of us and, and me especially to have a voice, to have an mm-hmm. opinion, uh, to be independent, to follow our intuition. Um, and I've taken that, you know, to I've taken that into my career, uh, into the other, especially women colleagues um, that I have met along the way, partners, colleagues, team members, um, my own teams themselves. Um, and it's really around, you know, to sometimes sometimes you need that role model. Sometimes you also just need a uh, a squad, um, someone that you can lean on, support from, you know, call it an inner circle uh, that you can go to for advice or even just to share when you've had a really bad day, um, you know, for whatever reason and and being able to uh, lean on one another for support. Mm, super inspiring, well articulated. Thanks for sharing. And a little bit tied to, as you mentioned, from maybe what you learned uh, from your grandma, going through some tough times, right? And especially some uncertainty around the world right now, people battling and handling it in different ways. Um, what are maybe some guiding principles that you found helpful to stay grounded? Um, I love what you said about maintaining your voice and also just how you show up as a leader for your people, um, maybe off and on the field as far as in the office or at home. Um, so maybe just share a little bit around uh, how you handle some stressful times. Yeah, so, um, you know, 
for me, anyway, handling stressful times, it's usually about trying to figure out how best to stay positive on, you know, we, I, I always come back to if, if there's a way I can stay curious or flexible for a little bit longer, right? Um, when, when things are hard, you know, is it hard for a reason? Why is it hard? What's the root cause of this? Um, you know, go question everything, uh, try and rediscover sometimes. Sometimes I'm, I'm rediscovering my purpose, right? Um, mm. I also find that ultimately staying connected with other people uh, really grounds me. Um, mm. And whether that is with my colleagues, right, with my teams, or even with my friends and my family, that for me is that balance. Um, mm. I also rem always sort of come into every whether it's a meeting, virtual meeting, or um, or otherwise, I know that if I'm not in a good place for myself, um, it means that I'm probably not going to be able to help or take care of others, um, especially my customers or my products or my team, whatever that means. So that also means looking after my own health and you know mm -hmm. mental well-being, and, and of course that's a that's a really important topic um, these days. So uh, for me, things like even you know just the small tips like getting enough sleep. I generally need about seven to eight hours of sleep at night. So I try to make that happen as consistently as possible. Uh, eating healthy, having, you know, drinking plenty of water, staying active. Um, I have a little dog also. Sounds like you have a dog. Uh, you know, taking lots of walks in between. Sometimes I'll do a FaceTime or sorry, a hangout call. Um, you know, whether it's uh, with my colleague or do my one-on-ones, I still will do the one-on-ones uh, walking um, or even just with friends to work out every morning. Um, or almost every morning we try and you know, get together and, and do a workout in the morning. So I think those are some of the ways to just try and stay motivated or try and stay um, positive, uh, especially when times are hard. Wonderfully said. Yeah, I love the balances you bring up, you know, emotional, even spiritual, physical, all of those come into play and in, in really showing um, how we are available for others, especially leading them. And, um, you know, that simple step outside. I love how the temps, you know, dropping down um, are a nice way to just cool ourselves after being in front of these video screens all day. Um, so with that and how you're leading teams and building teams um, and showing up for them in stressful times, I love what you did when COVID first hit and maybe share a little bit around your work from home kit uh, that I found, you know, to be particularly inspiring. I wish I'd received it myself, um, but maybe share a little bit of what you did for your team when, uh, when the chaos first hit. Yeah. So um, I had, to some extent, the benefits of hearing and seeing and learning a little bit about COVID even before all of everything went into lockdown. Um, you know, I had some friends um, and, and, and ex-colleagues who either were in China or had just come back. Um, and so, I, you know, I was monitoring that with my husband very early on. We were looking at the data, we were looking at the reports, anything we could get our hands on. Um, and so, you know, when, of course, our, when our company went into uh, work from home, you know, there wasn't a lot of information, there wasn't a lot of inputs or guidance yet, um, you know, in that first day or two. So I worked with my leads and we ended up creating this work from home playbook um, and shared it with our broader teams, uh, mostly just tips and tricks, like super simple things like, hey, make sure you set up your workspace. Um, you know, I mentioned I had some uh, back issues um, early on. And uh, so for me, ergonomics was, was really key. So I was telling everybody, make sure you get a good chair and a good keyboard, make sure you have a monitor so you're not you know, looking down at your laptop for too long in case I caught anybody just sitting on their you know, living room sofa. I was always uh, giving them a little bit of a hard time there just to make sure you've got, you know, you're comfortable. Um, and, you know, eventually it ended up evolving uh, to, 
you know, almost like cohorts, right? So we had people like parents who had kids who were dealing with uh, uh, different problems, or we had people, I had people on my team who were living alone um, and, and really want to come back into the office when we knew we couldn't get. And so, you know, they were kind of really dealing with it in, in a very different way. Or I had, you know, some people and I heard about people who had, you know, parents or family members who might be more at risk and they had different considerations. So, um, you know, we went through, we were just really just talking about it as a team, putting it all together in a playbook that we could share, um, whether it was, you know, let's just embrace the chaos. It's okay if our pets start barking or the kids walk in, if you need to go and do something, just turn off your video, let people know and just walk out, it's okay. Um, and so I was really open to my team um, at that time about my back issues. Um, and, and so I, for me, it was that was also my way of showing my own vulnerabilities um, and and what my limitations were, and I think it also opened up, um, you know, what I heard from my own team or or other people, what their vulnerabilities were or what they were dealing with, um, and so I think that I, I think that was just really important. Like we needed to be here for one another, um, and you know, as we got more information and as. Um, you know, we had more help and, and more programs from, from, from the company that sells, right? We, it slowly replaced um, the work from home playbook, but initially it just, it just really was a great way to just serve as, um, you know, just best practices. What do we know? What, what should we get? Try this yoga ball um, or this monitor uh, and, or, or this mouse is, is working really well for me. Um, and it's funny because I think a, a, a bunch of people ended up with the same chairs, the same gaming chairs, just partially because, you know, we were sharing this around with one another. Wonderful. Well, I love how you share it and, and why you did it, right? Which is just that heart of empathy you have for your teams and so important when you're looking out um, for your people and your building, right? Especially at the level you're doing with, you know, these major product launches affecting billions of people. Um, it's so crucial of how we take care of ourselves off the field before we turn on that video screen. Um, so I love that guidance. And, you know, on the topic of taking care of people and building teams, I'm curious how you approach attracting top talent. How do you build teams um, and making sure you're bringing in the best people uh, to make sure you're also, you know, continuing to succeed. Yeah. So, you know, when we're, when we talk about talent, um, we're really talking about people at the end of the day. And when you focus on people, you're focusing on their, their, their whole self. Right. And so, you know, really getting in, to know and understand what, what motivates people, what people are interested in, what they're passionate about, what areas they're, they're thinking about uh, in terms of, ones that they want to develop. Um, and, and ultimately, you know, it's about career progression, right? Where, where, where do I want to be, um, you know, in the next one to five to 10 years from now? So, you know, when it, when it comes to attracting top talent, it, it all starts with people. It all starts with understanding you know, what motivates people um, and, and what, what, what will bring them into the company. Um, and then transitioning into the company, right? It is that brand or product or company reputation, um, you know, attracting top talent when you want to build high-performing teams, right? You have to talk about the products or where it's at in its life cycle and where you're trying to get it to. Um, it's a little bit of the, um, you know, where we've been, where we are, and where we want to go and really be able mm -hmm. to craft that story and tell that narrative um, and see if that fits uh, ultimately with, with, with the people you're trying to attract because you want to make sure it's a, it's a two-way dialogue and it's a two-way street. Um, culture, I think, is also really important. Culture, you know, when I think about culture, it's it's very much about you know the group 
dynamics, once again, the team dynamics um, and what is important. What are the set of values? Do we, do we share a, a sense of um, shared purpose or, or, or unify? Can we unify on a mission? And so those become kind of elements of, of, of culture. Um, and then for me, you know, personally, again, I've been at a couple of different companies. I've been on many different teams and, and groups, even within the companies I've, I've worked on. A lot of attracting talent is also thinking about these personal relationships. Mm. You know, at the end of the day, products may come and go, projects may come and go, but, you know, the personal relationships that you're able to cultivate and develop over time, you know, end up being a great pipeline for you to think about, hey, if, if you built personal relationships here, you want to work together as a team again at some point in time. And if you can't, because, you know, you're some, someone's in the middle of a project or a middle of a, you know, a job that they're, you know, wanting to stay at, they usually know somebody else, you know, that they can go and refer. So, you know, people, company, you know, reputation, culture, personal relationship, those are all ways or, or tactic strategies that you can think about, um, you know, in attracting uh, talent. I, I will say that during COVID, um, especially and during this year, um, both being COVID and an election year, you know, I, I generally tend to over-index a little bit on empathy, um, mm. mostly because everyone's situation is so unique uh, and trying to understand what's going on, you know, are people thinking about movement, shifting, you know, what are some of the circumstances, um, potential health risks, um, you know, or you have a spouse who's an essential worker, like all of these are, are or, or you have somebody who wants to, needs to work from home um, mm -hmm. or wants to go back into the office, right? Like finding ways to help manage and balance uh, those. And when you're talking to, um, you know, potential candidates, I think are really important um, uh, just to be open and honest and as transparent as you can about them. Certainly. And wonderfully said. And I loved how you said, you know, seeing talent as actual human beings, like real people with motivations and needs, um, as well as speaking my language with that storytelling. And, and I love the point around the unified culture, um, as well as, you know, attracting them by pitching the brand and what you're up to from a product standpoint. So um, maybe thinking a little bit more back on the tech side and what you're excited about in the future. I know uh, recently launched, I think it was the first purple Yahoo phone, um, you know, from our days together back at uh, Yahoo, I'm always uh, rooting and bleeding purple still to this day. Uh, so maybe share a little bit around what you're up to. I know there's some things in the works with 5G, um, but what are you excited about with the future of tech? And in particular, since we're all about, you know, illuminating and helping people, um, tech for good and, and helping people and making people's lives better. Yeah, that's a great question. And, you know, when I think about the future, um, Again, being growing up in the Bay Area, living here for for so long, um, you know, it, it really does shape sort of your your views on things for better or for worse. Um, but you know, trying to connect the thread outside. So you know, my husband's German. We actually pre-COVID, we'd go to Germany every year, um, and sort of seeing other um, sort of points of views and other ways technology gets used. Um, you know, for me, what I what I'm most excited about the future of tech. So, you know, I'm part of Verizon. We speak a lot about 5G, um, and 5G sort of you know throughputs that's going to be so much faster than 4G. And as that technology uh, matures, it's really going to unlock a lot of new opportunities. Um, and and I view technology ultimately as a as an enabler, right? And so 5G is going to make all of our devices. Everything starts being more and more connected. Um, you know, we talk a lot about, you know, virtual and augmented reality. It's, of course, you know, 
predominant today in, in a lot of gaming and, and some entertainment, but you know, how can those technologies enable and be applied, whether it's gaming, entertainment, marketing, fashion, or in healthcare? Um, you know, these are ways that I can see where the technologies themselves are gonna improve our everyday lives. Um, you know, the smartphone I think is our mainstream consumer platform where things like AR or, or VR features could go mainstream, but, you know, sound and vision are really these main uh, senses that are used um, in VR, um, but there's a lot of progress where there's other senses, um, you know, smell, heat, vibration, wind. Uh, and, and so I see those becoming more real in the coming days, uh, enabled potentially by 5G um, and, and really those immersive, uh, immersive, um, experiences. And so um, with Yahoo Mobile, thanks for, you know, the plug and, and for mentioning that, you know, this was one of my very proud moments uh, uh, of the year on, um, you know, when I think about what we've all gone through with the global pandemic, you know, many companies, uh, you know, are generally founded or, or, or have weathered disruptive events. Um, obviously, the last financial crisis was one of them, but, you know, generally there's lessons to be learned um, during these times. And so, you know, I work with a really great team and even during COVID, um, you know, on, I think it was on March, uh, sometime in early March, we launched Yahoo Mobile, um, which was our first you know, unlimited phone plan. Uh, it brought together the capabilities of Verizon's assets, um, as well as the Yahoo, uh, the trusted brand of Yahoo. Uh, and this, the, the, it, the global pandemic forced us to kind of think about the new context in which our customers would be potentially purchasing or discovering these phones. We, um, everything from supply chain management, our customer service, which of course had to all um, work from home at the time, right? To the messaging and tone of our marketing campaigns. We changed everything sort of at the, um, in the weeks before the launch. Um, and then just this week, we launched the Yahoo branded uh, purple phone, which has all of our apps and our um, Yahoo mail and Yahoo finance and weather, all these, um, these apps that are, you know, on the, on the, on the purple phone, great jelly purple phone itself. And so, um, you know, again, it's just the resiliency of our teams working together, especially during this time, um, not being able to be in person with one another and yet still being able to be, you know, so collaborative, productive, innovative um, has been just a really, really proud moment uh, for me, especially even this week. Ah, so awesome to hear. Uh, and as we're wrapping up, you know, thinking of these themes of resiliency, but also just your um, almost lack of fear to try new things and innovate from, you know, your times in your dad's shop to the sports field to, you know, launching awesome new products. And so um, great to hear. And now as we're wrapping up, want to switch gears a little bit from more of the technical side, although these do still now appear uh, digitally is books, right? Big fan of books myself. And so I'm curious, any book recommendations you could leave with our viewers, anything that's had a big impact on you? Oh, so uh, um, let's see. I'm pretty busy these days with work and <laughs> the two kids and distance learning. So I've been I haven't actually been able to pick up a book recently. Um, I've been listening a lot to podcasts um, just because they're you know, in between times. And so the ones that stand out for me for personal development, um, you know, TED, TED Talks daily. Uh, those are those are very frequent. Um, Harvard Business Review. They have uh, two that I listen to Women at Work, which has just a lot of great stories of women leaders, practical advice um, and idea cast, which is you know, business and management. Um, 
but I do uh, books I've read, read in the past that I'd recommend uh, for personal development if you haven't already. Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Mm. Yes, classic. Good one, right? Um, there is also The Tipping Point uh, by Malcolm mm. Gladwell, uh, How Little Things Can Make a Big Difference. I really like that book as well. Um, and then How to Win Friends and Influence People. Those would be the three I'd recommend. Wonderful. Love it. Well, thank you for sharing. And so as we're wrapping up now, uh, I also know you have a heart uh, for helping others as well as animals. And so maybe give a quick plug or shout out to, uh, I know, a nonprofit that you're a big fan of, the Wildfire, Wildlife Center of Silicon Valley. Um, you know, anything you want to promote for them? Yeah. So they basically provide um, uh, free care for injured wildlife and rehab and uh, uh, opportunity for release. Um, they admit animals uh, and they basically go through a really thorough exam and they get assessed. Uh, they see a lot of things like possums and squirrels and birds and, and ducks. They're the only uh, wildlife rehab center in Santa Clara County. And so the reason I like to give them a plug is because it's local. I also used to volunteer there uh, for many years before I had kids. Uh, and I hope that one day uh, when I have more time, I can share that volunteer experience again with my daughter, who also loves animals and wildlife. Um, but I just love it. There's a sense of creating a you know, community, a sustainable environment uh, with wildlife. They do a lot of education um, with the public on, on, on how to you know, live and cohabit cohabitate uh, with both wildlife and with people. Um, but mostly, you know, I, I, I love these kinds of local, um, you know, uh, organizations because I, I generally think a lot of things start locally, uh, but then ultimately it solves for a number of bigger you know, global issues as well. It also gives me almost this emotional satisfaction and balances me for uh, between you know tech and work and also um, uh, and business. So I love that. Uh, I love that part. Wonderful. Love it. And, and a great closing note just around the importance of, especially with, you know, what people are going on right now is just giving back a little bit and how actually personally enriching it can be for ourselves. Um, and I love that you also, you know, do that for animals and, and what a story you have. So rich, um, so inspiring, Kenny. So any closing words with, you know, people listening and watching this um, that you might give them as, you know, we're heading into, uh, you know, the rest of the new year um, or just, you know, what's on your heart for a little bit of inspiration for all of us. Yeah. I think, you know, as I'm thinking about how to close, you know, just um, I would say, be okay with where things are at, you know, go, but still go out and explore, um, you know, take calculated risks as, as, as you need to, what, what makes the most sense, um, not only in your own personal life, but also, of course, your professional life. Um, always sort of the end of the year is always a great time to reflect, um, you know, tips, very small tips for me. Uh, you know, I, I generally try to write things down um, in terms of even at the day, right? What did what was I proud of that day? What did I learn? What mistakes did I make? Um, and so I always generally think at the end of the year is a is a really nice time to do that. So as as you're looking across the year, you know, just look at your calendar, look at some of the ways you went and spent your time. Um, and you know, next year is a new year, and you know, you can really kind of come back refreshed, focused, um, and really figure out you know where you want to go and what you want to do. Mm, wonderfully said. Thank you for shining your light with us and um, appreciate all you were able to share around your story, Kenny. All the best. And uh, we thank you so much for joining. Great. Thank you so much for having me. This was great. Awesome. All right. Have a great one. Bye, Kenny. Thanks. Bye. Big shout out to Kenny for sharing so much insightful advice. 
and really thankful for all of you who tuned in. As always, I'm going to close here with a quick prayer for all of you. Heavenly Father, thank you for being such a good, loving God. Thank you for this opportunity to spread light to people uh, through a little bit of inspiration, some fun stories. And thank you for how you help shape our stories. Uh, such a good and perfect author of all things. And that's why we can trust in you through uncertainty uh, because you have it all planned out. You are so good, so loving, and thank you for your kindness. Uh, I ask that you bless our listeners with more of that kindness. And thank you for all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for tuning in and much love. 